Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. I have a dream. When you put those four words together, nearly everyone knows who they came from and the power and the depth and the meaning behind them. On August 28, 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. led the March on Washington and shared what has now been known as the I Have a Dream speech. The dream in a nutshell was a dream for racial equality, for racial injustice and oppression to end, and for racial reconciliation in our country. And while great advances have been made throughout the years, it sure feels like we still have a long, long way to go. The events of 2020 did not create racial tension and racial divide. It only exposed what already existed. And I wanted to have on this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, on this holiday weekend, I wanted to have a a candid conversation about how the church can lead the way in racial reconciliation as we continue our sermon series we're in called Broken Normal. If you don't know who I am, by the way, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And I am just so, so honored that you've chosen to engage with us uh, today to to give us some of your time. To our online family, uh, hello to you guys as well. I'm just continuing to praise God that we have the ability and technology to keep you engaged this way as well. As I said, we're in this series called Broken Normal. And as we made our way through the pandemic-laden year called 2020, we all started saying, I can't wait to go back to normal. And while there are many normal things I I understand we want to go back to, we need to go back to, there were so many areas of life that if we returned back to normal, normal was already broken. And one of those broken things was the racial divide and tension that we have in our country. It's broken. And we need not go back to normal We need a new normal. My heart broke as the events of 2020 unfolded, as I saw the hurt and the pain and the fear of so many Americans, specifically our our brothers and sisters of color. As the events of 2020 unfolded, my heart broke. I was challenged. I was convicted of my own pride and my own part in the tension and divide that we have created, and I was moved as a pastor, as a man, as a Christian, to be a part of the solution. I wanna be a part of of a solution. Every Christian should desire to be a part of of a solution. And one of the ways we can be a part of a solution is to just have conversations. Even conversations where we don't agree. Couldn't that be great? If we had conversations where we don't agree and we don't cancel each other? Like we need to have conversations even where we don't agree. So I've invited uh, some fellow pastors that I'll introduce here in a second, some fellow pastors here in town to to help us have a conversation about how the church can lead the way in racial reconciliation. And we're gonna give you a chance to ask some questions as well. One of our pastors actually texted me just before church began and had an emergency with one of his daughters and can't make it. Uh, It's Pastor Hilton McClendon from here in town. He's also the chaplain for the police department. So we we wanna pray 
for him, uh, that God protect him and his family in this time. Uh, but I want to introduce to you the other two pastors. So if you give the best Element Church welcome you can to Pastor Stephen Latham and Elder Stephen Gannison. If you guys would join me on the platform, come on up, guys. You can choose uh, either one of the chairs. Your microphones are are ready to go as well. And while they're getting set, um, if you want to ask a question, we're gonna start with a couple of preloaded ones that I have at least one. If you wanna ask a question or if you want to vote for a question that's been submitted, go to slido.com, slido.com, and enter the word element there in the, uh, the keyword search. And you'll see the list of all the questions. You can submit a question. It is, there is a moderator. So if it's you know, divisive or, or mean or whatever, I hope we won't have that, uh, but it won't be included on the, the questions there. And if you see a question you would like answered, you can upvote that by just clicking the, the little thumbs up there and it'll push those to the top. And the most popular questions we'll try to answer in the limited time we have. I hope you guys understand we're all pastors. So we're long-winded by nature. Um, but we're, we're not going to solve this in the next 40 minutes, right? We're starting a conversation. And my hope is that the conversation we have and that we have with you will further you to have more conversations, right? We want to have conversations ongoing, not just on one Sunday a year, but we want ongoing conversations if we're ever going to see uh, anything happen in this. And also, I just want to reiterate that we're probably not all going to agree. <gasps> We're not going to all agree. And let me also say this. Unity is not total agreement. Unity is total alignment towards a common goal. And the goal is reconciliation and peace and unity. And we can do that even when we disagree. We can do that. And I hope that we can model that today even as a church. So guys, I know that we're limited in time, but I wanted to start with, the, with the, at least this first question and get the ball rolling and, and I'll let either of you answer. But how can the church better engage the racial reconciliation conversation and the fight against racial injustice. Where is the church's role in this? And I'll let either of you uh, go, whoever wants to, and we'll go for that. How can the church engage it better? Okay. Well, and why don't you, both of you share what church you're representing too, by the way. Thank you. I was going to introduce. My name is Stephen Gannison. Um, I'm at the New Kingdom Church of God in Christ. Some of you guys might remember I ran for mayor in 2016. I'm back again doing some good things. But I'd like to address that question. Um, I feel that how the church, I wrote some stuff down so I sound intelligent. Is that okay? <laughs> Come on. So I feel that the church is always has to be the center because um, being comfortable shouldn't be in church. You should be uncomfortable. In order for God to move, sometimes you get in a comfortable position and nothing happens when you're comfortable. Mm is when you get outside the box, God can move. So the church has to have the conversation. The church has to address the situation and, and feel uncomfortable. So I feel that when the church gets in line and the foundation is truly Jesus, then you can have the conversation. We can agree to disagree, but it has to start on the foundation, which is Jesus, yeah. good. our peacemaker. Pastor Latham. Well, good morning, and thank you, yeah. Pastor Jeff. Yeah, for, share what church you're from as well. For um, allowing us to be here and to have this conversation. My name is Pastor Stephen Latham. I am the pastor of No Greater Love Church of God in Christ, and um, just happy to be here. But for that question, I just want to say, because the church, we're important. We have to think about who Christ was. Yeah. 
and Christ is love. Mm. So if Christ is love, that means we have to share love with everyone. Mm. It doesn't make any difference what color we are. Yeah. So it should start in the house of God. This is where it should be. Yeah. We are people of God. We are anointed by him. We are sent forth. We are to carry his word. And if his word is love, yeah. that's what we should be doing. Yeah. And it should start in the church because the church has a place. The church has been important throughout the history of this world. Mm. And it should continue to be that. And if we, as saints of God, as children of God, whatever you want to call yourself, we should be at the forefront of this fight. Because if we're brothers and sisters, we are, we are related by blood. Yeah. Whose blood are we related by? Blood of Christ. What? Yeah, blood of Christ, The man. blood of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Yeah. Amen. So if that's who we are related by, I stand. I have eight brothers, biological brothers and sisters. And if anybody were to come up and say something against them, you better know I'm going to be there to back them up. Yeah. So what do you think? If you're my sister, if you're my brother, if we are related by blood, what should we do? Yeah. Come Stand on. for one another. And it should start here in the household of faith, the yeah. household of God, mm -hmm. where we believe. It's like Pastor Jeff said, and I, I know I can get wordy, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's a conversation. We don't have to agree on everything. Yeah. We yeah. don't. Yep. But we don't have to be disagreeable. I do not have to hate you. That's good, man. Because we disagree, and, yeah. and especially if we're, we call ourselves saints of God. But yeah. I'm gonna stop because yeah, that's good. Going. That's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Give him a hand. That's great. It's okay, man. You can preach. Uh, if you look at the New Testament, like one of the core issues the New Testament church dealt with was racial equality and racial inclusion. Where there, in Apostle Paul, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. We are all one in Christ. They were constantly battling this. So the church is the central, Jesus is the central part of this conversation. So therefore, it has to begin in, in the church. So again, if you want to ask a question, go to slido.com, enter that element keyword. Uh, we do have some people upvoting this question here. Um, so we'll just ask it. It's, it's the very top one there. Why do you think the conversation around race and racial equality turns political so easily? How do we lose sight of this as a gospel conversation? That's a great question that, that I wrestle with. Why, did it turn, why does it turn political so easily? And where do we lose sight of that as the gospel conversation? I'm not as wordy. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, and the reason it turns politics so easily is because we're set in groups. Mm. You have this group versus this group, rich poor middle class mm. and the moment you start talking about race you identify either with either group either i'm independent i'm a republican or i'm a democrat gospel goes right out the window yeah. jesus is not even mentioned mm. it begins to go to democrat republican or independent we have to get out of democrat republican and Come independent we are all brothers and sisters yeah one alike. And not only was Jesus got Jesus love, but remember, he had the ability to love yeah. mm. the ability to love because somebody about to kill you and you still love them. Yeah. He had the ability when they spit in his face. Yeah. So even though we feel sometimes we've been talked about or beat up or something by one person, you have to have the ability of love. You can't say I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a saint, I follow God and, and can't, don't have the ability to love those who just despitefully used you. Mm. 
that's where politics come in. Politics, and then the gospel goes away. It begins Democrat, Republican, Independent, to I support nobody. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Pastor Latham, anything? I'm going to try to be not so long. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, hey, I already said we won't all agree, so go ahead. So I just think for that question, why do you think the conversation around race and racial equality turns political? It's like Elder Gannison was saying, we all, we all look for somebody else to take care of our problems. Ooh, that's good. And we look for the government to do that. Mm. But we need to look within ourselves and try to solve our own problems and not look to the government. We as a church, we need to stand up. Like he was saying, there was all kinds of racial inequalities in the New Testament church. But they stood together. There was a man crying. Paul would always talk against it. And that's what we need to do as a church to stand up and talk. Not, we don't need to have it to go to the, to the government because they will do something that we don't like, but we need to tell them this is what we want. The government is there and it, it's good. We have to have government, but we don't need them dictating everything that we do. We need to say this is what we want and then tell them to do it, <laughs> not them tell us that's wrong. Other way around. We need to let them know. Let's not defer everything to the government because it yeah. shouldn't be there. Let us stand up and say we are of love mm. and this is how we want things to go and not let it, it go that way. And I think that's part of the reason why it does go so quickly to politics because even though we disagree, I might be Demo a Democrat, you might be a Republican and we disagree on things, but we still have that common issue, that common thread that we stand and that's that we stand on Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And he always goes out the window first. We always forget about that. That should be the forefront of our, in the forefront of our yeah. thoughts. It's Christ. I'm standing for the church. Yeah. It's not all these other things. These other things were added later, but I stand for Jesus Christ. And I want his word and, and what he says to go forth first. Yeah. So we shouldn't always, but it does. But we should start thinking about that, be cognizant of that, and not let it go to that. Yeah. And as Christians, we got to be the, obviously the first ones to do that. Because the, the non-believer is not going to make it a gospel conversation. Uh, so they don't we believe, have, so why would yeah, they? Yeah, so we got to make sure that we, don't, that we as Christians aren't turning it political. We have to keep Christ yeah. in. We're the ones. We're the Christians. They yeah. don't believe. We're the ones that have to make yeah, it. That's good, man. That's good. So here, here's another one that, that people are, are voting up as well. And this is a, a great one. Uh, does white automatically make me more privileged or does it depend on circumstance? <laughs> I'm glad somebody asked. Somebody. <laughs> well, I'm glad I get Who's to gonna go. Who's going to go first? I'm glad I get to go first. <laughs> so first we have to realize a lot of people who might not know, there was a Jim Crow era. Yeah. And if you go look back at the laws of Jim Crow, Jim Crow made it that way. They became the Confederate soldiers, became judges, police, the law. And so them being the law which some people might not realize that they were the law and in those hierarchy positions you get then you get as privileged because of that mm -hmm. that's what gave that status it's not that you're privileged because in the sight of god we are all equal mm -hmm. i don't care if you died and, and, and you need some blood and i got the blood type i can take give yeah. it to you yeah. if, if i die and you got the blood type if you give it to me i'll take it yeah doesn't mean i'm gonna be able to cook better or not cook better 
There's yeah. no there's no privilege in blood except for that it was shed on Calvary for our sins. Yeah. And so there is really no privilege. Some folks call it privilege because of when you get to the circumstance of the law. Yeah. It does side a little bit towards your side. Yeah. It does give you a little privilege. And then let me do or does it depend on your circumstance? No. Yeah. Circumstances does not work in the eyes of the law. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Mm. And, and a lot of times, wrong is right, and right is wrong. So it's not about where you come from. You might get in trouble, though, if you, if you uh, live in a slum area, but I don't believe it's going to be effective on yeah. your life. I think that it's just what I said. Yeah. Pastor Latham? So <laughs> I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm straightforward in what when we have these conversations you need to know because yeah. I'm saying yes be, because of the history of the United States mm. how we have started out and where we came from when people of color came here they didn't come here as citizens yeah. they came here as slaves and when you look even now across this country people that are of color do not get the same privileges. It's been through history. When you look at um, housing, employment, yep. education, um, everything, yeah. government, people of color do not have the same rights. We had the red housing districts where it was purposely made so people of color could not get the same housing as white people. Privilege is there. When, we, when we're stopped, and I told this too, um, our outgoing chief, that when people of color are stopped still to this day, and it's, it's what's going on still, that they, they are more apprehensive when they're stopped, even if they didn't do anything. Yeah. That's still going on. But when I talk to my uh, white friends, they don't even understand that. That's because they have not had to deal with it yeah. their whole entire lives. Yep. So, yes, it, it, it's there. But can we change it? Absolutely. Yeah. That's why we're having these conversations. Yes, come on, man. That's why us that's sitting in here needs to stand up and say that there is a problem. Because yeah. that's the first thing right there. If you don't even admit there's a problem or say that it's there, you can't address it. You can't even talk about it. Yeah. Because unless you're talking about the same thing, you can't have an intelligent conversation. And that's what we're doing. And I, I think um, it depends on a little bit on the circumstances because you can have two people um, of lower social economic status, and and um, even back in the day, like Elder Ganson was saying, because of Jim Crow laws and everything, I may have been educated and a teacher and and have money and everything and privilege, but even that person who was not education educated and a sharecropper or a farmer, what have you, at that time, still got treated better than that black person who had money and means and nice housing and everything like that. So. It does depend, and even today, it's still the same. So yeah. yeah, I say yes. Yeah, and let me just, as your pastor of this church, say <laughs> that if you deny there's anything as such as white privilege, you either don't want to see it or you're ignoring it. Amen. Like, the, fact, the, the privileges that I have as a white man in America is, to me, are, are plain, they're obvious. And while Jim Crow may no longer exist, the effects of it are still ongoing. So I want to I follow up. This is not the next highest voted question, but it goes right along with what we're talking about because I, I think systemic racism is another one of those things that 
white Americans can say doesn't exist. Um, somebody asked, do you think race, racism is systemic in America? If so, how would we go about repairing the system? So is racism systemic? And if so, how do we repair it? Because a lot of the white privilege, it comes from the system of systemic racism in our country is where the privilege came from. So anyway, how, how do we repair it? I'm just going to say it exists. <laughs> so how do we repair it? There's only one way. That's in the house of a family. The family has to address it. You have to stop teaching it. You have to stop. Even, even if you're not teaching it, it's, it, it, when you let someone else do it and you don't correct them, you kind of agree with it, no matter what you think. Sometimes we think, oh, just because I didn't say nothing. Well, if you didn't say nothing, you agreed with it. If you say something, you disagree with it. If you say that's not right. So we have to go back to the family where God created the family. And mother and father to teach your children, mm. bam. Mm. If you teach your child that this is not right, it starts at home. Yeah. I, I got to share, my, my wife is white, and we went to Mississippi, and my grandfather said, oh boy, you better help me get out of town. Yeah. You ain't going to last long around here. Here, yeah, if I was you, I'd put in the back seat and drive out fast as you can. <laughs> Oh my God. I said, oh, really? And I, I didn't know what he was talking about, but we pulled to the gas station and I went inside to pay for gas and that tick, 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 knocked on my wife's window. She rolled it down and the lady said, are you okay? Oh, wow. She was like, I think so. <laughs> wow. So it's top. Yeah. We've got to get that out. Wow. That you got to stop teaching it knowingly and unknowingly. Anything to add, Pastor Latham? Amen. Again, we just have to say, yes, there is systemic racism in America. It, it exists in everything. I've said it already. In education, government, in, in employment, just in everything. But how we go about repairing it is first admitting it's there, yeah. then starting to have the conversations. Yeah. We, if, if you don't talk about it, you can't repair it. That's good. We have to have yeah. this again. This is great. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to sit down and say, well, if you think it's this, what do you think we need to do? Acknowledge that it's there and then start trying to change it. Mm. Start trying to make things more equal for everybody. Mm. It's good. It's not going to hurt anyone if we do that. Yeah. In fact, it will make things better. Amen. So. Amen. All right, so what, this is the next highest voted question here. What questions do you wish someone asked you about this subject that isn't being asked? What questions do you wish were asked, if any? Maybe there's none. But is there something that's not being asked that we need to be asking? How do I feel as a black man? That's good, man. How do I feel and even, and, and here's the thing, I wanna clear this up real fast. Not everybody is racist. Yeah. Uh-oh, shocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody is racist just because you're a certain color. Yeah. Come just on. because of certain circumstance or demographic where you live. Not everybody is racist. That's we good. know that. And I would never put that on every man and woman, boy or girl. Yeah. But the question I would ask, I would love someone to ask me, how do I feel as a black man? I'm afraid some days. Mm. Some days I'm strong. Sometimes I'm scared. Sometimes I get weary. You know, I met my father-in-law and the first thing he told me was, I like two things black. 
<laughs> my boots and my truck. <laughs> and I said, well, what about me? <laughs> and he said, well, you don't understand. Uh, okay. Two years later, he's my best friend. He got to know me. He got to hear how I felt. Mm. He got to see how much I didn't care about my wife's color. I loved her for her and her big hair. I ain't going to lie, that hair. <laughs> oh, geez. I love that. Anyway, so, you know, I wish somebody would ask me how I feel. Am I afraid to drive down the street? Yes, sometimes. But depends on, because I've been with the city. You pull me over, they usually know who I am. <laughs> but. I would like that question to be asked. How does a black man feel or a black woman feel? Seriously, how do they feel? That's good. Pastor Latham? I, I, I like what Elder Ganson said, how do I feel as a black man? But I, I, right now I feel a lot of the important questions are, are being asked. Okay. I, I think we are finally coming to the point to where we're starting to address the issues that people are really believing now that there's a problem and they're opening their eyes. They don't have their head in the sand any longer and, and, and believing that there's a problem. So I, I think the questions are being asked. There's not anything I can really think, but I do just want to say too, like uh, Stevie said, you know, everybody's not racist just, yeah. just because, you know, even if you think there's not systemic racism doesn't make you a racist. Yeah. It just means we have different thoughts on how things are. Mm. You haven't walked in my shoes, yeah. so you don't know. Until you experience, it says, walk a mile in a man's shoes, then you know. That's, oh, some of you may not have heard that. That's old. I'm dating myself. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, walk in that person's shoes, then you'll understand the life that they lead. So it doesn't make you a racist. It just means you don't understand and you haven't been in, this, good. in the fight like that person has. But good. I think most of the questions are being asked right now. Okay. So the, the next two questions are going to combine, so they're the next two highest voted, but what are some unhelpful statements or attitudes that prevent reconciliation? Some, uh, some unhelpful statements. And then uh, going along with that, the next question, how would you explain the phrase that I don't see color can be hurtful to some? How can we explain that color should be seen and honored? So there's that one statement, I don't see color. How can that be hurtful? Which goes along with that, what are some unhelpful statements? So, again, anybody can answer, but what are some unhelpful ones in this conversation? Some unhelpful statements. <laughs> Besides the obvious. Besides the obvious. We know the N-word yeah. is very unhelpful. Yeah. But one says, I don't care. I don't, it's, it's not me. It's not who I am. Okay, once you don't care, then you basically, even if it's not you, it's beyond the picture of me and mine. How about Jesus did that? Mm. If Jesus just said, oh, you know what? I'm just going to worry about me. The rest of y'all, uh-uh. He didn't do that. His heart went out to every man, woman, boy, and girl. And so we have to get rid of that. Well, it didn't happen to me, or it's, it, it didn't affect my life. Well, it really kind of does affect your life, mm. <laughs> you know? And, and then, you know, the other one was... Um, I don't see color. How can that statement, I don't see color, be hurtful to some? Slap in the face, because I'm black as blue. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't see that I'm black, yeah. you got a problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, so for you to say that, because some, whether some people understand this or not, some people of color do look at their skin color and say, God, I wish I was like them. Mm. Or some of y'all 
wish the same. That's why you go tanning. You try to get as dark. <laughs> I've tried to get as dark as I can. Well, you don't realize what, what, where it puts you when you begin that darker stage or that other stage. I wouldn't understand if I was a lighter color. I'd be, I probably would. It'd be different. Yeah. So those are things that when you say I don't see color, man, I sometimes, to be honest, the black community thinks that's probably one of the most racist statements wow. you can make is oh, I don't see color. Well, that's probably the racist. Oh, my best friend is black. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how they think. And I come on, man. Have you told me, hey, you know, I have some black friends. Oh, sweet. You know, yeah. but my best friend's black. No, he's not. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> see, so, I mean, those are statements that are made that really turn some people off. Doesn't, doesn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but that statement, I don't see color, doesn't that dehumanize in some way? Because everybody's made in the image of God. So to say I don't see color is taking away the image that God has placed upon you. Is that correct? Correct. Absolutely. Um, that's correct. We're, I don't, do I look like you? No. Absolutely not. We, we're both bald and got a beard. That's right. We got, we got that going on. <laughs> we got that going on, but we got color. So there, there's, there's a difference. But I want to answer the first part first. I wrote down some things because yeah. that one I, I really wanted to, to put this on too. Um, I, I wrote down some things. When, it, when you say put the past in the past, mm. the past is still affecting what's happening that's right good. now. Yeah. So that's one of the statements. When you say, um, how many times do we have to apologize about the past? Wow. Well, right there, yeah, that's a hurtful statement. You don't have to apologize for it any, anymore. You don't. You, you weren't there. You didn't do it. Yeah. However, it's still going on, and now we need to start working to that's solve good. the problem. Yeah. So, um, and when you say all lives matter, <laughs> we know all lives matter. Not a one in here believes, at least I hope not. Yeah. Not a one oh, yeah. of us in here believe that every life in here is not precious to our Lord and Savior, yeah. Jesus Christ. So we know all lives matter. But all lives aren't the ones that's being hurt right Come now. Come on, dude. Come all on. lives aren't the ones that's being killed in the streets right now. So we know all lives matter. Um, and when we say racism is a sin problem and not a white problem, well, we... We know it's a sin problem, and that's why we need to start in the church to work on it, to make it better. But all people of color need to do it. And then to go to the other part, um, yeah, we, we have to see color. We're, we're not all the same in here. We, even though we're all human beings and we bleed the same blood, yeah. we're still different. We have our, our, the different things we do. Elder Gannison and I was telling Pastor Jeff just over here <laughs> this morning that we told him he should have told uh, some of us to be here, us people of color, to be here at 7.30 because <laughs> <laughs> some of you will understand what I'm going to say. <laughs> because we run on CP time, <laughs> colored people time. That we don't, we, we're late to just about everything. <laughs> but, but that's just something, you know, it's a generalization like all things. But... But, but it's still things that do happen in, the, in, in color. And just like Hispanic people eat the food they eat, we eat the food we eat, we're, we're different. Yeah. Even though we're the same, we have different things. So uh, there's color. Yeah. Color makes a difference in things, and we need to realize that and not say that. Yeah, and, it's, and in, in Scripture, in eternity, our differences is celebrated. Yeah. Every tribe and nation and race and language will be in heaven. Hallelujah. So, yeah. Make me shout in a hey, hey, come on. Right. Hey, man, we're it. all together. Yep. 
So the next one, next question up here is, is racism a two-way street? Can white people be the victims? Ooh, yes, it's a two-way street. Yeah. Don't even trip. It is very a two-way street. Yeah. Um, just like I said, you know, when I went to Mississippi, my, uh, the people down there have been treated differently. You know, I'm going to give a real, real quick one. But even just recently, my daughter's in Atlanta. And the way that some of the people treat her in Georgia, growing up here, she forgot how white people are. Mm. Being in the South, she's seen them. And she was crying about something. And we got to walk in the path. I live in Saddle Ridge. And all the white people walk by. Hey, hey. She said, what? Are they speaking to you? Yeah, yeah they speak to me. She goes, they don't do that in Georgia. I said, oh, that's down south, though, baby. Remember, you grew up in Wyoming. <laughs> she got the, so, yes, it's a two-way street. Black people discriminate. White people discriminate. White people can be victims. Black people can be victims. Yeah. I think the majority of the victims become black, though, in my opinion. But I could be wrong, but yeah. it's my opinion. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. White people can be victims. There's not a doubt. We're all victims at times for something, you know. So, yes, I mean, it's, it's a problem. Systemic racism is a problem in the U.S., but we have uh, all kinds of problems in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. that we need to address. Yeah, yeah so, um, you, you, you know, we, we have white people who are extreme racist, but let me tell you, I know some black people who are racist, too. So it, it, runs, it runs both ways, but yes. Okay. Next one up. Why do you think we do not all stand up together? If we are all brothers and sisters, why are we falling short of standing up and loving each other? Being afraid to be judged. That's good. Yep. Uh, I don't want to be judged that I stood next to this black man or I stood next to this white man because my brothers might say, wait, why are you standing next to that white guy like that? Well, you know, he's my brother. Mm. In Christ, he's my brother. And I don't care what color he is. And I think we're afraid of being judged by each other or by a group That's good. of people and not just, not just even your family. Some family members, you know what I'm talking about. Uncle Buck, man, he's crazy. <laughs> you know? But you don't believe like he do. And if you told him, hey, Uncle Buck, I got this black guy, he'd be like, mm. don't come over. Like my, my wife's grandmother said, I don't want to see him yeah. and I don't want to smell him. Mm. <laughs> do I see <laughs> I had to go check my pits, man. <laughs> Anything, Pastor Latham? Oh, yes. I didn't know he was finished. <laughs> so, um... I think why people do not stand up together is, is because they're afraid of what they're going to lose. I mean, and it goes back to white privilege. When you've had everything handed to you and, and you don't have the same problems as uh, your brother or sister, it's kind of hard because we're all human. We, we, let's be truthful. We all have these feelings, you know, what's at stake for me? But um, I believe you, you think, you're, what am I going to lose? Am I going to lose my spot? Am I going to lose my authority? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my money? What am I going to lose? But we have to start thinking outside of just me, myself, and I. We have to start thinking about that other, our other brothers and sisters, too. Yeah. You know, what have they lost? What have they not been 
having what have they not attained because of this. So yeah. I believe that's one of yeah. the biggest problems. It's going to take courage on everybody's part to stand up together. Yep. You have to. Okay. So what do you think about the injustice done to law enforcement regarding racism? The numbers of officers slain due to this issue is frightening. Man, I'm so glad I got this one. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what. It makes me angry yeah. to know that an officer will not go home to his child or his wife. Ticks me off. Yeah. Who are you mm. to judge him who just put on a uniform? Mm. I don't appreciate that. Yeah. I wanted to be an officer so bad when I was a kid. That was my, I watched Chips. <laughs> yeah. Some of y'all. I wanted that motorcycle <laughs> and I wanted Eric Estrada's hair. Yeah, that's right. I don't know about you. I wanted that hair. Man, I could have had anybody. But all the teenagers are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I see a bunch of old folks. Y'all know yeah. I want to be punched as well, man. It's so, you know, I am, I, it does hurt me yeah. to see that our law enforcement, because they are, again, being picked on or chosen to be used as a catalyst for some of the bad police officers who have done the things that were wrong. Yeah. So it's unfair that they're being judged, just like it's unfair yeah. for um, the black man to be judged. I'm gonna say one story, but I've seen it in my own eyes that I saw in my mother's living room, an officer came in, three of them came to get my nephew and he felt comfortable coming to my mother's house where we, Holy Ghost feels sanctified and you come in there, all devils must desist and decease. <laughs> and when them came in there, two of the officers had attitudes and one didn't. And one said, these two want to jump on you, but I want to hear your story. Wow. 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 I said, that's the kind of men that we need on the police force. Yeah. You know, and did I judge the other two? No, sir. I know they were doing their job because my nephew was a little sometimes out there. <laughs> so protect their self first. I got that. But the other guy didn't take their advice that he was crazy or he was wild, that he needed to be constrained. They took, he took the approach that I'm coming in here on my own accord and I'll find out for myself. Yeah. It's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's wrong. Yeah. Wrong is wrong, I, I, just straight out. It doesn't make any difference who it's being, who the wrong is being uh, done to. And, uh, you know, personally for me, I, I, I get along with uh, the law enforcement, and that's usually every place I go. Uh, but it's not for all of us. Yeah. It's not for all of us. Uh, so we have our problems. But law enforcement, they, they signed up to do a job, and it's one of the hardest yep. jobs that we have in the United States. Yeah. It's one of the hardest jobs to do because you have to stand there and be fair to everyone, and that's how it should be. You know, we have some bad apples. Yep. We do, and in, in, every, in everything yeah. you have some bad apples. All of them's not bad. I support our law enforcement, and, and they need to be treated with the respect because they come to your aid. Yeah. That's what they're there for, to come and help us when, to serve and protect is what most of them say on their cars. And that's what they're there for. And we should respect them for that because which one of you is going to stand up and give your life for somebody else? We, we yeah. say we would do it, but how many of us put on that badge to say yeah. that you will actually do that? Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of us. So we need to respect those men and women who are doing it. They should, they're, they're just like me. If, 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 if something were to happen to Elder Gannison, I would, uh, I would be devastated. We were, we're, we're family. 
I would be devastated. And I would be devastated for his family. And that's the same way we should be for those law yeah. enforcement people. Yeah. You know, they have wives, they have children. Yep. Their children play soccer with our children. Yep. They do the same things we do. Their job is just a little different than what we do. So they need to the respect that yeah. they get. I, I'm friends with um, Kozak and, and starting to be with um, Busek, our acting chief right now. And we have a good relationship, but that's what we need to do, cultivate it so we don't have these problems. Yeah, it's good. One quick thing, Pastor, can I say, um, I just want to say, he said one of the hardest jobs, he is correct. Yeah. One of, because on last two days, Friday and Thursday, sanitation probably had the hardest job. <laughs> All that wind and cans blowing down the street and you running down trying to grab yeah. it and get to the end before they fell right. over, they was the hardest in the That's country awesome. That's <laughs> this awesome. week. Well, listen, there's other great questions. I, we were talking before the service how we, we need like three hours to do this. But again, I started out saying we did, we're not going to solve the, the problem today. We're, we're going to start the conversation. And I just want to thank you guys so much for gracing us with your presence, with your knowledge, with your experience. You both were, were, uh, just did a phenomenal job. And I know you're here all day with us, and I so appreciate that. These guys lead their own churches. They have their own jobs and families, and they're giving us their time today. Would you just give them one more thank you? You guys can go ahead and go back to your seats. It's awesome. You can leave your mics there. Yeah. That's awesome. If you're watching online, uh, the folks here gave them a standing ovation, which I think is well-deserved. That was very graciously done. And again, I, I, I hope that was helpful for us as a congregation today. And even in disagreements, let's leave unified in the body and blood of Jesus Christ and the un, undenying love that he has for us that should exude through us to others. Amen. We want to be that uh, in, in our community. If you need prayer for something, you can stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium or click the prayer button if you're watching online as well. And then don't forget to sign up for the uh, financial learning experience. That's in two weeks that Joe will be here. And it is limited seating, but we need to, we got to do signups just because of space. So make sure and sign up. I'm going to be here. My brother's traveling in from out of town to be here for that. Can't wait for that. So I love you guys so much. This was so much fun today. Uh, we'll have a, uh, help you have a great week. We'll see you. You're dismissed. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.